Welcome to What's Korean Cinema, episode 55 on Wishing Stairs. The monkey's paw and ballet collide in the third ghost girl school horror entry, preceded by Whispering Corridors and Memento Mori. And my name is Candy B, and with me to discuss this third entry is Paul Quinn of Hangul Celluloid, straight home from his uh, ballet lessons because he needed to immerse himself into Wishing Stairs universe. Yeah, I'm actually still doing pirouettes on the chair as while, while we're speaking, so we're good to go. Hello, everybody. I'm more limber than I thought. <laughs> Watching Korean cinema have taught me a thing or two about spinning on my toes. I've got to keep the, the, the old muscles actually moving since I spent most of my time sitting in front of a TV. That's very true. So uh, uh, podcasting and uh, movie infatuation leads you to uh, physical activity. So, uh, uh, But uh, I prepared by uh, by listening to that very demanding short story. The Monkey's Paw, it lasted about 20 minutes. So it's the definition of a short story. I say It was uh, almost a disturbingly, like, yeah, it is over, isn't it? Like this, the Monkey's Paw gets to the point and uh, it's uh, over and done with in uh, free um, wishes and everything goes to hell in, in the process. So, uh, so it, it's a fun type of preparation but not a requisite type of preparation as a wishing stairs going in cold without any uh, short story prep or ballet prep still gets you uh, full full coherency Uh, so um, we are gonna get this uh, show on the road but first of all some brief contact information and this is what's korean cinema on the podcast on fire network and we are located on podcastonfire.com where you'll find the 54 prior episodes of What's Korean Cinema all in its own category, going all the way back to What's Korean Cinema 1. I don't think you were on that one, but, but Stuart Sutherland certainly. A fair few episodes later, actually, I think. But I know Stuart uh, um, was in contact with you regardless, uh, but the very first episode, and it didn't start out well <laughs> from from my from my point of view because I, I, I didn't like the movie. The first episode was My Sassy Girl. So it was a rocky start because I'm not a big fan of My Sassy Girl and especially not that very, very long version of it. Interesting. interesting. I, I, was, I was actually, when you did that and I found out that you weren't a fan, I was surprised, I have to say, because I love Georgie and, you know, I, I always have, I always will. I could watch her in a film as she paints a wall and I'd be happy. It, it is an unfair... Uh view of her obviously but uh, that that movie was uh, a bit of a test uh, for me to get to the juicy stuff the juicy dramatic stuff but but again if we had watched the theatrical version of my sassy girl i might have had a more favorable opinion but uh, that one just felt like get it over with it is long that that version is it is painfully long it really is and it might have only been extended like 10 minutes or so but uh, it it um, I, I i felt a little uh, a little uh, itchy uh, by the end. Like, come on, come on. Yep, yep, yep. It, it's it is dramatic at its core. Fine, 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 fine. Over with. Thank you. <laughs> What's Korean cinema one in the back? Uh, but uh, uh, I, I certainly, uh, I have, I haven't rewatched it uh, though uh, since. That, that, that's the thing. So uh, may, maybe a rewatch will uh, make me more favorably uh, lean towards a favorable grade. But uh, I haven't been motivated. I've been motivated to examine other works of hers instead. Yeah, totally worth doing. I think more worth doing. In all honesty, I mean, uh, we were stuck on uh, her, but. Um, what work has stuck with me of hers? Uh, I mean, granted, I watched like three or four movies, but but uh, still, 
either assassination or a man who was Superman. Probably the latter, to be honest. I mean, they're they're good films to uh, to watch uh, on on their own because they're, they're separate experiences, dramatic experience. And I remember my second viewing of Assassination, like I was impressed by her, but I was also impressed by how great of an action film it was. It was really well executed, yeah, totally, totally. even physical blood squibs to a degree in that one, which surprised me. So it was like an impressive little gunplay flick from from Korea. So I liked it. Very much so, and you know the fact that as soon as you said what with a couple of all of her films, I immediately thought assassination. And considering the fact that I've I've seen virtually, I think well, the vast all she's done in Korea anyway, and a fair bit of her stuff elsewhere, for it to come straight to mind for me as well shows what a successful little movie it really was. Yeah, so uh, we might cover that someday because we haven't. But uh, right now it's uh, Wishing Stairs. And uh, for uh, the rest of the uh, other shows on the Podcast on Fire network, uh, you have categories on the website. Check out Podcast on Fire, Japan on Fire, This Week in Stays and so forth. And um, let us know what you think. Uh, or if you have any opinions on uh, this uh, series of uh, girl school horror, uh, starting with Whispering Corridors, uh, then Memento Mori, and this uh, being the third entry, Wishing Stairs. Let us know. Podcast on Fire at googlemail.com as well as on social media we have a very friendly discussion group called podcast on fire network uh, so click for instance the facebook logo on the top of our website to get to our page and then search uh, the group that is called podcast on fire network we would love to have you and uh, your unique voice and opinion and uh, follow us on twitter as well i write about uh, not korean films but a variety of hong kong and taiwanese movies on so good reviews.com because uh, it's fun to um to split up your creative personality, I suppose. Uh, like my, my my exploration in writing, uh, being, being you know mainly about Hong Kong, but also Taiwanese. That's uh, I, I find that intriguing. That uh, I, I don't necessarily need to do a podcast on what I'm writing on, and uh, vice versa. So, for instance, one of my latest reviews that I wrote, it's going to go up sometime later in the year, was for um there's a series of three or four movies out of taiwan with a satoichi lookalike if you're familiar with the japanese film series about the blind swordsman satoichi played by shintaro katsu in taiwan they found a uh, lookalike and he looks so much like him and they, they made a couple of these they're not very easily available or with subtitles but i found one that had custom subtitles uh, put on it it's called the blind swordsman's revenge and i wanted to write about that because that, that's a unique taiwanese angle to it all because in taiwan they were able to do cool martial arts and cool sword play in their own style yeah, so yeah, if you yeah. merge that with uh, satwichi you know why the hell not so um, in, in all honesty that was going to be a not to be a downer or anything, but that was going to be a, a Taiwan noir episode. Um, we had that in planning, but um, at, at this point, uh, Taiwan noir, noir is put on hold indefinitely since um, my co-host uh, Todd Statman passed away uh, earlier this um, this year. So, um, but, but but that was our uh, that was our next uh, sort of angle into kooky, wacky, unique Taiwanese uh, cinema, trying to exploit a series that was pretty much done by that point um, in, in Japan. So it wasn't like that Satoichi movie came out in the first, like, uh, there, there were 24 or 25 of these Satoichi movies, by the way. So it wasn't like the Taiwanese movie came out after they realized, like, these five movies are a hit. So let's make one of our own. No, it was right, right, way, right. way, way later. So um, 
but it's fun. You find your angles for your creativity. That's my uh, point. Uh, at uh, any rate, um, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at So Good Reviews, and uh, subscribe to the podcast on Fire Network on Apple Podcasts. Uh, listen to us on Stitcher Radio and Spotify, and all that good stuff. Angle Celluloid uh, 2021. Uh, not a lot of current viewing choices. So do so. Do you go back in the catalog of uh, to watch stuff uh, you've missed or stuff you've uh, hadn't had time to? write about or what's the thought process been in 2021 because there's no new movies coming out or very few new movies coming out there's there's been a, a lot more scope to to start looking back and and hit on stuff that i either wasn't aware of or i haven't covered and i'd like to cover at some stage so i'm much better at it now than i used to be i mean you know i i've always tried to balance the site with old and new. I, I like that. I like that there's a lot of classic stuff on there before the pandemic for, you know, the, the couple of years before that things were so hectic. It felt like everything I was doing was, you know, new or v- newish. Um, so it's almost, it's nice to be able to go back and, and start looking at some classics. And the only problem with that is choosing which classics to actually cover in detailed reviews is a lot harder than picking you know, a movie that everybody's talking about because it's out high. Um, so that's still a work in progress. But I'm going to get used to doing this whole, whole, dealing with this whole pandemic just as it finishes. And then I won't be able to get used to getting back to normal life again for about three years. So that's all a work in progress as well. What a terrible problem. You don't know which movie to pick out of all the movies you have available at your fingertips. It's terrible. It's scary, isn't it? Really, you know, I, I should be ashamed of myself, but... Like we talked on My Sassy Girl, is there even a My Sassy Girl review on your website? Yes, there is, yes. And you probably wouldn't want to read it because it's... Of course I would. I, I respect your opinion. It's not like you add a, you put an addendum at the end of the uh, of the review saying like, oh, by the way, Kennedy hated this movie and he sucks. Like, it's... <laughs> no, 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 never, 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 never. I'm going to go read it right now. You stay here on the podcast and I'll go read that damn review <laughs> to show you. I'll take you a while. Take you a while. I, I think it, I think it was. It may well have been one of the very first reviews I put up, as far as I remember. It, it was. It was pretty early going. I, I do remember that. So, you know, I can't for the life of me remember exactly what I said, but I'm sure there's quite a bit about Jim Hyun and how wonderful she is and how we're gonna gonna be together forever. And she's a birdie. Uh, obviously, I'm making that up, but you know, and let's face it, still very pretty at, at her growing age has she crossed 40 yet which is still in her 40s um i think she's i think she's i think she's early 40s yeah yeah i think when she started her career she was about 19 i i think as far as i'm aware please forgive me if anybody knows different but i think i think she's very early 40s or just turned into her 40s well, uh, knowing Hong Kong, uh, Jesus, knowing Korean cinema, she can probably go via live route and play like a, a female gamer with short blonde hair, playing like early twenties, and she would. You know. Yeah, totally, and she and she just still get away with it. Yeah, totally. At any rate, uh, throw out the website URL to the can kids so they can find your uh, my sassy girl review. I'm Paul, if any of you don't know me. Um, I run hangocelluloid.com. Uh, it's totally focused on Korean cinema and nothing else. Um, there are reviews, cast and crew interviews. I give talks every now and again, here, there, and everywhere. And uh, Or I did before this darn pandemic split us all up. Um, so there are 
you know, uh, transcriptions of those sort of talks on the site. Um, you can find it at hangocelluloid.com. There are Facebook and Twitter buttons on the main page, which will take you to facebook.com slash Celluloid and at Celluloid for Twitter. So, you know, if, if you're getting into Korean cinema or you're as, as obsessed as I am with it, pop over, have a little read round and uh, hopefully you'll find something you like. Cool. Well, uh, all those links will be available in the show post. And um, before we get going, uh, let me um, give you a rundown of what's to come here in the episode. It's a very simple episode, but nevertheless, we have some sections to take note of, and you can find timestamps uh, for these in the show post. So first, we'll talk of uh, the background and really the the varied inspiration for Wishing Stairs. We've hinted at it already. It uh, came from uh, different fields uh, in what we call the arts, I suppose. Um, uh, there's some notes on the taboo subjects that sort of carried over from Memento Mori to uh, Wishing Stairs, as uh, well as uh, some notes on the quite infrequent um, director at hand here. Uh, we'll also talk of the reception box office-wise, uh, and then we conclude by reviewing the film. So, uh, Wishing Stairs from 2003, and plot from IMDb. In a Korean boarding school, there is a legend about its 28 steps stairway. Because when the 29th step appears, so walking that stairway, climbing that stairway, a wish will be granted to the climber. Ballet student Kim So-hee, played by Park Han-byul, is in deep love with her passive uh, girlfriend and also ballet student uh, Yoon Jin Song, played by Song Ji Hyo. And when there is a competition for a single spot in a famous ballet school in Russia, the envious Jin Sung finds uh, that 29th step and asks to beat the favorite, her best friend, Sohee. However, there is a price to pay for uh, the wish that is unknown to Jin Sung, and the consequence is the accidental death of Sohee. Meanwhile, the fat uh, student, uh, Eon Heiju, played by Joanne, who is uh, despised and tormented by her classmate, uh, the character of Han Jun-ji, misses Sohee. And when she also finds the mysterious step, she wishes the return of Sohee, with tragic consequences. So we got a haunting people, again, and that's the, I guess, the carryover sort of shared similar uh, traits of this unconnected series and this uh, series uh, again starting w- with uh, whispering corridors memento mori and we're here at witching stairs went on hiatus for four years as korean cinema exploded but the, this third unrelated entry uh, came out in uh, 2003 as uh, wishing uh, stairs so uh, they, they took their time and uh, probably korean cinema was busy so i'm sure the players involved were busy to, uh, to a degree they were yeah, yeah. Uh, waiting for the call from the producer it's said that the quite extensive writing team of four drew upon the classical ballet Giselle, which our characters are studying and auditioning for in the school, but also the supernatural short story The Monkey's Paw by W.W. W. Jacobs, published in 1902. Could be said to be a, quite a firm reference here. There's no monkey's paw, there's no object. The object in question is uh, that entire staircase, the 29th steps, uh, step. So... Uh, that's a story centered around a mummified monkey's paw that the owner can get uh, free wishes from. And in classic uh, literary fashion, uh, this all goes wrong and it corrupts, etc. So this is a popular story that's been uh, made into radio adaptations, uh, silent film versions. It was part of uh, the Alfred Hitchcock Hour on TV. And as late as 2004, the late great Sir Christopher Lee narrated uh, a, uh, a radio play of it as part of the show Christopher Lee's Fireside tales um, and, and with that voice delivering any tale you uh, you sit up and listen so i'm sure that was an excellent set of uh, radio plays 
Totally. And it does have to be said that Hollywood also stepped into the fray as well um, in 2013 and released a, an indie version of The Monkey's Paw, which starred Stephen Lang, who I, I had to look up his name, to be honest with you, because I couldn't remember it. Um, but he was the if you if you saw Avatar, he was the older, nasty general, sort of the aggressive general guy. Um, so he's got one of those really recognizable faces, but he was he was in it and it, it did OK. Yeah, um, making it indie might uh, give it a chance to not appear uh, same as any other commercial horror, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's a short story, so you you can't make a two-and-a-half-hour movie based on, based on that, but I'm sure there's a snappy 90-minute movie in that uh, tale. You know, add a couple of characters, elongate the free wishes. In the short story, I mean, it's over and done with uh, quite quickly, obviously. I mean, in audiobook form, it's like 20 minutes, so um, yeah, there's not much to it. So back to uh, Wishing Stairs, uh, so staying true to the feel and theme of the series, um, it also put themes of friendship up front, and I suppose, I suppose the still taboo nature of lesbian romance in a Korean film was here to a degree. I mean, we'll discuss it um, in the review certainly very shortly, because this film chooses, compared to Memento Mori, not to go there as obviously. Either the producer or director uh, thought like, well... This was a minefield last time, so should we reduce that stress uh, for us, uh, or should we come up with a story in a natural fashion, or whether or not it will be a very visible theme? Uh, we'll see after our creative process has done its thing. I, I don't know, uh, but they haven't cancelled it completely, and maybe Paul is here to enlighten me uh, in terms of the thought process by the producer. But my question is. Was there no real progress made since Memento Mori in Korean society? Because that was accepted by audience, at least in the long run, in the aftermath of it. Uh, because, um, or, or did the makers still have to navigate carefully or face the consequences for having taboo subjects in quotation marks in, uh, in their film? The short answer is yes and no. Um, things in terms of them having to be careful, them having to navigate, that virtually didn't change at all from 1999 with Memento Mori right through to 2003 when we got Wish and Stairs. But equally, several films and filmmakers had sort of been pushing the boundaries themselves in in a, in a reserved, quiet way, making films that were obviously quite controversial, but hiding, not hiding the, the, the LGBT issues or whatever, underneath but but sort of layering them in or covering them with comedy we, we had a film called bungee jumping on their own we had a bizarre love triangle which was sort of you know men women women woman etc etc so there were moves forward in terms of filmmakers they did continue um in terms of the attitudes of the industry and censors and stuff nothing nothing had changed at all so wishing stairs i guess was going to hit less of a controversy because of the way it balances its horror and its female relationship issues as opposed to sort of whispering corridors and memento mori but i think we can still hopefully say it's 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 still there let's go back a little bit and you can explain that to uh, to viewers uh, who were not aware memento mori as as it is right now it's pretty obvious that it has an lgbt uh, uh, has LGBT content, but uh, uh, tell the listeners that um, 
the, about the fact that uh, there was a longer version at one point for Memento Mori. Essentially, if, if we go quickly, quickly back to uh, Whispering Corridors, it, it had huge controversy when it came out, not because of lesbianism or you know LGBT issues, um, even though they're very subtly present in a, in a very quiet form, I guess, underneath everything. Um, but it, it was really controversial in terms of how critical it was of the school system. And it's sort of set up where this ghost school horror thing came from and it was really a, a relationship and, and social drama with elements of horror. Memento Mori took it a little bit more towards the horror but ramped up the LGBT side of things as well and it wasn't as controversial but getting it to the point where it wasn't controversial was a huge task for the director. It, it was originally over two hours long when, he, when he'd finished it um, and censors required him to tone things down as he was filming it and also ordered cut after cut after cut represent and cut represent and cut just to get it to the point where it could get released as a 12 plus under a 12 plus rating so and i think that took you know a number of months so ultimately when it was released it wasn't as controversial how controversial the bits on the cutting room floor or the half an hour on the cutting room floor are remains to be seen because they obviously never never saw the light of day yeah we only have one instance of um a cut scene available in promotional materials such as uh, trailers where the two lead characters are in a bathtub together but they're facing each other they're not uh, embracing it's obviously not a love scene either so it's uh, you know and, and and it's so short so it doesn't seem like they're uh, they're, they're they're playing you know and uh, throwing water on each other it's like a a second shot in the trailer uh, of it but uh, that was uh, cut from the film uh, entirely so and there's no nudity either, as shot, you know, it's uh, the, the young actresses are covered up, so they didn't go all 18-plus uh, rating in that shot or anything. Back to Wishing Stairs, uh, this was directed by uh, a female and first-time director, uh, Yoon Jae-yeon, a filmmaker with only this, and the 2009 fantasy horror mystery movie Yoga Class on the old uh, resume, so... Uh, if uh, you have any notes on the director that you know of, or and if you saw the movie Yoga Class in question, uh, what do you remember about that film, or, or what do you want to say about the director at the same time? Yoga Class, or as uh, as it was named when I saw it, Yoga, I, I think it had a brief, I'm going by vague recollections, I, I know I saw it on a DVD, and I'm almost sure it was a UK one, so I think it was released here under the title Yoga. I'd need to check my files to see if the copy I've got is the original Korean or the UK, but I think it was UK. It's an absolutely frustrating film because for the first, not quite the first half, but not far off, it's really engaging. It's deeply creepy. It's beautiful. The acting's amazing. And you're really drawn into wanting to know about every one of the many characters it tells the story of a group of women whether they be getting older or having been ill or whatever who are encouraged to join this yoga class run by a very strange teacher who sets out a set of rules that 
if they follow, they will be eternally beautiful. You know, they're not allowed to shower for an hour after their yoga class. They're not allowed to eat. They're not allowed to look in mirrors. They're not allowed to go outside for the whole seven days of their their yoga course. And obviously, in 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 horrific gremlins form, um, they each go through breaking one of these rules and find out how that's going to affect them and if they're going to survive. Um, for the first half, as I say, near enough the first half, fabulous film. And then it just becomes disjointed and deeply repetitive because you know each time you look at a new character, they're going to break a rule and something is going to happen to them and you can you can see it flagged up way before it arrives and you can see the way it's flagged up is going to show you how it's going to arrive. It's passable, it's watchable, but you'll come out of it at the end feeling really frustrated at how easily it could have been made so much better. Director Yoon Jae-yoon, after she graduated from uh, the National University of Arts in Korea, she actually became an art director earlier on and she art directed two films that you know no one ever heard of really one called paradise villa one called to my love but you can tell that even though there's a different art director in yoga and indeed wishing stairs you can tell that she's had input there because of the way they look she was approached to make uh, wishing stairs by the producer of the most of the entire series because he saw her short that she made just after those two art director films a short called psychodrama uh lee chun yun uh the producer invited was so impressed by her take on horror he invited her to do wishing stairs and uh, we'll talk about how that fits with how we felt about yoga later on but it's really been, that's been the theme of that producer, clearly. It can't be a pure coincidence that each of the film features is a debut work, as a matter of fact. You know. Indeed, indeed. And I, I also love the fact that if you look at Whispering Corridors and Memento Mori, where one's directed by one, direct, one male director, one's directed by two male directors, and he then chooses to go to Yoon Jae-yoon, who is female to do Wishing Stairs. And I think that's a nice step forward as well. And when we come to talk about the themes and whatever, I was actually quite surprised to find that she was female because it feels less of a female film than I would have expected an LGBT-themed movie to be. But we'll talk about that a bit later. Do, do you know offhand if, uh, for the fourth and fifth movie if that uh, theme kept, uh, the, the new director theme was kept up or... or uh, that's not a memory that it's in your bank. That's that's very much very much the case. If you look at the voice, I I be honest with you, I can't even remember the director's name. I as we've talked about before, you know, I've got the the Tartan Four DVD box set, and I was just you know glancing at the discs last night, just as I was about to rewatch Whistling Stairs, and I saw the director's name of the voice, which is a good film starring Kim Ok Bin, who everybody probably knows from films like thirst and what have you and i didn't recognize the name so it's just it's that constant new director new director i think he's looking for new blood i think he was looking for new blood he liked the idea that somebody new maybe wouldn't be tied down and could push things a little bit further it does actually have to be said as well guys that any of you who end up watching wishing stairs or owning 
the DVD that comes from Tartan. Um, if you look on the actual disc, it says Wishing Stairs, the year 2000. I saw that because I was like, oh no, did I mess up my research? Like, uh, delete, 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 and then, wait a minute, let's just check the databases. And no, it is 2003, as a matter of fact. So, because um, 2000 didn't seem, yeah, that seemed plausible because they're, you know, make make these movies sort of popular, popular, but no. Uh, it, it's a misprint indeed. So. Very much so. I mean, you know, as I say, I, I rewatched this just last night. You know, it was over a glass of wine. This doesn't look 2000. <laughs> you know, halfway through. Well, it, I, it, it sort of, it went into my brain without me registering it, first of all. And I put it in and about halfway through the movie, I thought, did that disc say 2000? I'm sure that disc said 2000. And I actually had to put the wine down, get up and see if I was just, too drunk to be dealing with stuff take the dvd out have a look and go it was 2000 and then f- try and find where i was again so i remember i i, I think the sheary disc by totten has a similar misprint because i remember like did uh, t- taking a snap of that for, for social media it's like nope that, that's not right as i only have access to box office figures going back to 2004 uh, what do you know? Uh, what could you have found about the the gross and attendance for Wishing Stairs? Like, uh, was there any sense of girl school horror fatigue, or or do you think Korean audiences were like lumping them all in with each other? Like, it was a fresh movie that when it came out, it wasn't like part three and like uh, part three, like this series so old. Or what's the uh, what's the tally of uh, numbers and uh, Korean audiences uh, craving this or not? It's a very strange thing because when it came out, everybody was really because there there had been two really well known films before, you know, and as we said, Whisper and Corridors was a real surprise hit of 1998. People knew that this was another in the series. That's what all the talk was, but they almost saw it as an individual thing anyway. You know, the whole grouping, complete grouping thing, came much later. So it did pretty darn well what you've got to remember is that if you look at 1998 when whisper and corridors came out it ended up having 621,000 admissions which was huge for 1998 2003 is a different deal you've just got to look at the the films that are running alongside it to see just how magical it is having watched so many films you know you forget exactly what year something was made you have a fair idea you can you get it within you know some of them right some of them within a year or so but as i looked through the listings for 2003 i couldn't believe how many of my you know the dvds that are in the drawers were from that year that so classic i mean that year we had we had the classic with sonia jin which is humongously well thought of tragedy romance roughly based on a on a an old story called the shower which is you know taught in schools and everything we had memories of murder when i don't need to say anything more about bong jin ho's seminal masterpiece there we had tale of two sisters we had old boy we had scent of love with jang jing young we had double engine with hansa q so i mean they, these were we even had Save the Green Planet. These th- these were huge films in a, a huge year. Wishing Stairs, compared to Whisper and Corridor, 621,000. Wishing Stairs took 533,000, which is a, a really good number, pretty close. But because this was such a phenomenal year, it wasn't anywhere near 
the third place as Whispering Corridors had been in 1998. Um, if you look at Memories of Murder, it took nearly two million admissions. Tale of Two Sisters, a million admissions. Oh boy, a million admissions. So it was about halfway there. Having said that, you had other things like Save the Green Planet, which is one of my I love Save the Green Planet, one of my favorite films. It only had thirty four thousand admissions. Yeah, it really didn't do that well. It's it's amazing that it's an it's a challenging film because you know the tonal whiplash. I think it would be a challenge for for, for any audience. Uh, but uh, it's amazing how just how poorly Save the Green Planet did, as a matter of fact. Totally. But, you know, the, the the numbers are so all over the place that it, it sits sort of firmly in the middle. You know, the numbers go from 34,000, 40,000 to 300,000 for Scent of Love to 400,000 for Double Agent to 500,000 for the classic, 500,000 for Wishing Stairs, right up to over a million for, you know, the biggies, the, the memories of murder, the old boy. If we consider it in terms of the other horrors, that came out that year. We had The Uninvited. We had Kim Sung Ho's Into the Mirror. And we had a film I've spoken about, I think, in both these previous podcasts, Acacia, which I know you are in the process of checking out or, or going to check out. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, interested in it. Um, it's from the director of Whispering Corridors, I believe. So uh, I was kind of interested to um, check out some further horror takes. Totally. Well, if if you look at their takes in terms of horror that year, The Uninvited had 246,000 admissions. Into the Mirror, 251,000. Acacia only had 35,000. So in terms of those, Wishing Stairs easily doubled the best of them. So it did humongously well in terms of where it was sitting in the horror genre. And it did averagely well, considering the fact that it was up against films that are considered the best Korean films ever made. I haven't asked you this, but do do they share a common name in Korean and then add a unique name akin akin to Wishing Stairs? Uh, I believe I never asked that, because if you look at the wiki entry, they they at least place a free in the title, but if the actual uh, Korean word that comes before it is uh, what the first and second also has. That I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what what you've got to realize is that subtitles and titles are fraught with dangers. Really, um, if you what if you were to watch this film with a Korean, they would tell you that the wishing stairs aren't actually called the wishing stairs at all. They're called the fox stairs, and the reason they're called the fox stairs is because the demon, the spirit that grants the wishes, is a fox demon, and that goes back to real Korean mythology and the, the idea of fox with nine tails, you know, uh, lulling someone into a false sense of security and then destroying them to either eat their liver or, you know, some way to become human themselves at their expense. So that sort of fits in with this as well, even though it is essentially more the monkey's paw than anything to do with fox spirits. But that that's sort of the deal. The actual title is is just essentially for Whispering Corridors 3, Wishing Stairs. But it's a it's a nice little take that there's a fox demon in there somewhere. But 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 do, do you know if the prime movies were... I mean, you had Whispering Corridors, but when, when Memento Mori came out, was that released in, in Korean language as Whispering Corridors 2, uh, Memento Mori? But there, there, there was no shared title that then cemented, like, uh, the, the pl- implanted in audiences, like, oh, yeah, that's serious. 
totally not. That 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 was all sort of word of mouth because of the producer. It was sort of, oh, this is another in the series. That you know, that's better though to to like get word of mouth rather than plant the same title over and over. Totally, again. and in fact, the only the only film of the entire series that is specifically called Whispering Corridors followed by a number is Whispering Corridor Six, which has yet to be, it's been shown, it's been finished, it's been shown at uh, an international festival or a Korean festival, but it hasn't been released in cinemas as yet. Um, and it is definitively known title-wise as Whispering Corridor 6. The rest were just Whispering Corridors, Memento Mori, Wishing Stairs, The Voice, and Blood Pledge. Well, it's obviously going to hit the internationally, the sixth movie, but uh, you know, if it turns up on streaming, it, there's not going to be a... Uh, any uh, traces of Whispering Corridor 6 left. Uh, uh, it's probably going to go out as the humming, as a matter of fact. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, cool. That's the the setup of Wishing Stairs. Let's get into the review and some brief notes. Uh, my first viewing here, uh, we've hinted at it. It noticeably drops the sort of full depiction of social and same-sex uh, same-sex romantic elements that got the prior movies uh, in um, in trouble but you know it, it shouldn't be a trouble really but but it but it happened it therefore makes for a different and creative almost full-on horror movie that really navigates the tropes and cliches well it's um it's really due to how it's executed technically there's a very sizable chunk of confidence here and and a desire to play as a horror film despite being less drama which was fetching especially in memento mori it doesn't betray the essence of this unconnected series at all, and uh, you know each filmmaker should have the freedom to do what they like. Of course, uh, uh, the point is also they're not taking the lazy route to get a commercially entity out there and up there by simply uh, dropping romance, dropping social stuff, uh, horror, 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 and uh, making it cheap that way. Not at all. So uh, it, it's a nice uh, little U-turn for the series, and um, quite a good time to be honest. Uh, so. Not an emotional time necessarily, but quite a good time. I enjoyed it. So, uh, in short, uh, what do you want to say about Wishing Stairs? As I've said before in, in the other two podcasts we've done on this series, um, Wishing Stairs, on first watch years ago, came out head and shoulders for me as my favorite, simply because, you know, we're looking at films that are called ghost school or girl school horrors. If you look at Whisper and Corridors and Memento Mori, they aren't horrors, they're they've got they've got horror in them but they're they are social critiques they are relationship dramas i love the fact that someone who doesn't know anything about korean cinema looking to watch a horror film could pick up wishing stairs put it on and go yeah we got a horror there have been people who have done that going to whispering corridors and were really disappointed and didn't search out the rest of the series which is an absolute shame because they're they're all worthy so from a simplistic point of view i'm i'm really pleased that they went more towards the horror though i do ultimately miss the drama so i'm i'm really i'm really torn you know you know for me if i stop you right there for me doesn't make it the best out of the three so far because I also miss the emotional component uh, of especially the, the second film. But uh, since they are unconnected, they're different movies. So it's uh, the, the comparison issue, you know, you're, I, I can take it or leave it. Well, totally. And it, it is a nice shift in pace and nice shift in tone. It does have to be said that Wishing Stairs is by far the most flawed film of the three from my point of view. 
and it's the most dated as well, simply because of its use of very ring-like or Zhuon-like long-haired Asian pale-faced ghosts, which the other two films sort of stayed away from. They were, they were much more cerebral, even in terms of the, the handling of the ghostliness. Um, so it, it looks a lot more dated because you immediately, you, you're brought back to Ring as a character comes towards you, a ghostly character in that jagged, jumping directed sort of way. And it, it shows its age. But at the same time, there's a if you're prepared for that and you're you're realizing you're watching something from 2003, it's almost quaint in a way. Still, I thought those issues. I'll, I'll get to it, but I thought those issues were avoided quite neatly because they aren't uh, they aren't bad sequences. They aren't lazy sequences uh, technically, and uh, the movie isn't uh, lazy technically either. But 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 you're right. It's kind of unavoidable. I mean, I, I haven't even watched the Grudge series, but I, I know for a fact that the, the, these images. Um, they uh, they they're not new. They're not new, unique to totally. Korean or and 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 you can draw a straight line to a Japanese cinema too. So um, so you you need to clear your mind you know, a little bit, I suppose. Uh, but 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 again, keeping the new uh, the theme of new behind and in front of the camera talent uh, now that that it's a series of film that's nurturing talent is great and it's working. It really is and. Um, if we look at you know the behind the camera talent, they really start to show off, uh, not show off their show their skills by providing that in early on that evocative key setting of the long stairs, the long climb, and the counting, you know, the oral counting, and uh, and then play with horror elements like uh, you know uh, uh, the wind and uh, the atmosphere that that provides in combination with all of. Uh, all I've said. So I think it's a confident mood setter, as a matter of fact, that, that opening uh, sequence, uh, climbing the stairs, and uh, it, it's a new whispering corridors entry. It doesn't uh, appear samey, and that's a very good thing. And then there is a decent decent injection of exposition about the myth of the stairs a few minutes in, so we get that the 29th step is key. Uh, so, so the counting that we didn't know what it was about necessarily that clicks us into the story and whenever you can get over exposition without it just slowing down the film to a to a halt then you're in good hands and i think you know these are early stages they're not elongated stages but but they for me i I clicked into the movie up got it got it i like that setting that looks pretty damn cool uh, visually so let's go let me stop right there new director new set of stars and all of that does it still appear like a confident time working horror atmosphere in these early stages for you very much so i mean as you were saying about that that very first opening set where the girl is very slowly walking up the stairs counting one two three four with the wind going eventually going and the the very almost music box soundtrack um is really evocative of what you're getting here you're you're in you are in a horror film you're in a a film that is going to be ominous and for me that brought excitement to be honest with you even on a rewatch i think it's it's very confidently handled i think it's very nicely handled in terms of those like the design background might not show up necessarily oh that's because she has a design background but it is really nicely designed and, and conveyed as a matter of fact you know 
very, very much so. And very, as you said, very, very confident. And once we get past that and start to get into the drama elements, and of course there is, it's not the other two films, it was it was essentially an hour into the film before you saw any horror. It's a little bit earlier in this, but we've still got time for a lot of drama. And it, it, the confidence holds there as well. It's not as in-depth as Momentum Worry. It's not as obvious what we're, we're, we're meant to be seeing as the underlying, though it's right there. It's much more simplistic, but it works. And the acting throughout is top-notch. And as we go on, well, I'll talk a little bit about a couple of the main characters and and one main character that you don't know is there, but I'm going to, I'll inform you in a little bit. I'm quite excited about it. Like Choi Min-sik was behind a clay clay sculpture. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, you're, <laughs> you're close. You're close. No. Okay. Uh, but but you're right about um, it, it is more simplistic, but not in a bad way. It's not anxious either to make it about romance. That uh, Kim So-hee and uh, Jin Sung characters are totes in love and they're the girls in the school that are the lesbians and therefore they're going to be uh, outed and ousted. It's a very good-natured friendship. Clearly, Kim So-hee is the more more proactive one and she's very prone to saying I love you but but, but friends would it's there I think uh, it's uh, but, but it's not there this uh, insecure like I think we're gonna place the lesbian stuff here is that how you direct no it, it, it's sort of established and uh, you can you can absorb it or you can see them as friends to a degree too because the focus really is on the rivalry rather than uh, the you know it's more c- combined with uh, hot break uh, within the rivalry um, uh, getting a part of the ballet and uh, romantic heartbreak to a degree so they, they sort of mix and match that and also like the Kim so he she's a friendly girl she lends her gym clothes to the Joanne character for instance uh, who's the uh, 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 she, she's the bigger girl she's the obese girl and there's no big deal to do that there's no sh- social faux pas to even interact with her so, so I like that. That, that that's like a gentle little um, touch that she's a friendly girl as we go go on, I mean, uh, I I can enjoy horror cliches. The only horror cliche I didn't think that worked, to be honest. I mean, it's nitpicking. The two or three scenes that we see in the dorm hallway as Jin Sung goes to her room early on, they they seem like oddly ominous, like uh, like she's walking in a new hallway that she's never walked in before. But she has her room is there, so it seemed oddly tense as she's walking to her home, essentially her room. But you know. Uh, it was one of those like, hmm, you know, are you playing your horror cards a little bit too obvious, Mr. Director or Miss Director, of course. I'm nitpicking. There are key sequences in the hallway later on that requires that atmosphere and it does that better. So Totally. I, I, I don't think it's nitpicking at all. It, it, it hit me as well. I, I feel that that was too much of a deliberate and I'm not going to spoil anything, um, but it was too much of a deliberate pointer to what what we'll find out in the very latter stages. It just sort of it came too quick and too early. And when it's done later on, it's necessary, it's needed, it's it's worthy. But I think that was a a rookie director jumping the gun a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just, yeah, the light should have been on, and she should just have have been walking to her room as she has done uh, a half a dozen times. Totally. Uh, that day already but uh, you know uh, so, and, and again the Sohee character I, I I like that she's the proactive one she she, she is infatuated with uh, Jin Sung but she's making sure they're having fun they, that they're interacting with warmth uh, that they take a breather away from their pressures uh, of school as well um, so you know there, there is warmth there there is easygoing friendship there 
uh, even though one is more proactive and one is saying I love you uh, uh, more openly. And again, there's no lazy or like insecure premonition talking of Giselle and Albrecht, uh, the characters in the the the, the ballet, the play. Um, it, it it isn't suggesting like, oh, if you know the ballet, you know it's gonna die. Uh, because the issue of having Giselle here and ballet is plot driven. It's their it's their goal to be in it. It's their goals to perform, and this is the goal. So it's well. My, my point is, it's well injected story stuff uh, rather than uh, a director really openly saying that if you know this, you're gonna know the ending of the movie. And damn, <laughs> you know, I ruined it for for myself and everyone. And and even the you know the the monkey's boy influence is there, but it doesn't need to be uh, absorbed beforehand for you to get this. Uh, seen as it's based more in uh, also more in Korean uh, mythology, then they're they're making their own stuff rather than turning to foreign text. Uh, what else should we talk about? Uh, there, there there are some uh, early on tension uh, before the whole ballet ri- rivalry gets going, like uh, and they they even see like throwaway moments. Uh, but you wonder w- what they have to do with character when Jin Sung, for instance, is balancing on the stair railing in that hugely distant shot, and she's taking you know one step, one one small step, uh, one small step, more, one small step, and even the piano score is acting as it's taking steps uh, it's not in sync with her uh, with, with her feet or anything but it's it's kind of um, it puts you a little bit like where is this I mean is she is she unbalanced as she, she balances <laughs> so to say so uh, there, there are little atmospheric little hints of uh, tension I, I, I don't think it was necessarily a huge, huge insight into the character but it, it's oddly uh, it, it's an odd uh, tension thing and it isn't a a moment of premonition necessarily because this is on the stair railing the of the the moments of premonition when you know the movie they take place when they're at the top of stairs and on stairs you know what i mean so it, it's almost a throwaway moment that i that, that stuck with me that stuck with me more from the fact that it for me and it's completely separate I, I know it's completely separate, but for me, it harked back to the similar way that the two female characters in Memento Mori had run across rooftops and were balancing on the tops of things. And it it yeah. just sort of it just sort of for me underlined this, you know, this relationship that these two characters have without actually having to say anything. And it may be completely inadvertent. She might have just chosen that without even knowing what was in Memento Mori. I don't know, but I, I I thought it it harked back well, and it sort of for me underlined the sweetness and the niceness of the relationship early on, and uh, before any rivalry sets in, before one may decide that things are not as happy as the other one thinks they are. Yeah, and the wishing stairs uh, they're established as this uh, force that's not um, very heavenly. It uh, really is uh, is going to corrupt. It's it's gonna prey on weakness, um, and that starts the ball rolling, obviously, and we start to get engaged. There were a couple of things that were unclear, but I think uh, maybe they were purposely unclear, or they don't need they don't need a full on answer. So because this is so early in the film, it's even before so he dies. Do you remember? Was it suggested that so he before Jin Sung had made her wish at the stairs because she's injured. Her leg is injured, and then there's an audition scene that she nails. 
and she's it seems like she's not injured but i don't remember a scene where she's on the 29th step and praying the injury away no i i i don't think so it didn't hit me that way i think the the ankle injury or the leg injury was a completely separate thing i mean that there is a scene where she's talking to a teacher who you know sort of says how's your leg you know your your mom says it's completely healed so i think she was doing that more for the fact to underline the fact that the character she's really talented at ballet she's one of the best but she's not really arsed about it she's doing it because her mum wanted to do it and she actually says i wish i didn't have i wish i could give up ballet whereas jinsung the the her her relation the girl she's in the relationship with is also good but maybe not as good as sohi but she's desperate to be a ballerina so i think it just underlines why why jinsung would go for the wishing stairs yeah because uh, what i wrote is that she feels uh, she feels left out and she really rushes into gaining a wish which is you know the weakness that the forces at hand will prey upon uh where, where there's desperation to to gain the upper hand um, uh, which, which is you know classic horror storytelling whether in literary literary in the literary world or, or the film world I like the fact that we've got almost two tiers going early on. You know, we've got, first of all, Heiju, the the plump girl, wanting the stairs to allow her to lose weight so she's not seen as some complete freak. And you've got Jin Sung wanting to win the competition. And those two separate, seemingly separate stories gradually intertwine. And I think that's nicely done. And there is a lot of predictability in what especially happens to Heiju, the fat, the previously fat girl. But again, I think they both work on that level. And as it works through, I love the, the use of mirror shots, which again, you can see coming, but, you know, things that in a mirror maybe look slightly different than they do in reality for someone just staring. Um, I think it's all very confident. I think it all works. And I think that adds to the overall balance of it. Yeah, and uh, I, I made similar notes in that uh, regard. I mean, for around the time where we uh, probably see the longest climb, it's not a real time counting, but at one point, uh, I believe it's when Jin Sung is on the stairs, yeah. that we get a slow step 13, 14, and we, we get up to 16 or 17, and then we're up to like 26, uh, 27, and so forth. She's working tension very well through in part that real-time climb because they're, they're not going to run up the stairs like one two three four five six eight make my wish come true like it's uh you you can't do that that that's not according to the myth or anything and as cliched as wind and disembodied voices are as the wish is starting to take shape uh, you know and confirm that the wish is going through Round about that time, I made a note that Director Yoon's got a handle on this. I like this yeah, atmosphere. Yeah. It's really fun. It's not overplaying her card. It's not overconfirming that the way she's coming through because it's and this disembodied voices. It's it's really cool to see a character like Jin Sung. She's up there on the twenty ninth step, and her wish is for something she, she'll be happy about. That she's she feels elated, and and again the the viciousness of the fox forces the fox spirit that that that's just uh a smorgasbord for these uh these uh spirits that uh they're happy about this and we're gonna grant these wishes but it's 
you know, we 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 are the puppet masters of this. You know, it, it's gonna go wrong, and we're gonna enjoy that. Uh, you know, so I, I really I really like the depiction um, of that. And and for, furthermore, you know, you know, the actors go through some non-verbal anger, some passive aggression. Uh, you know, they, they they're so young, they don't uh, they don't talk. They're, when it's difficult, they are not direct with each other, and that spells you know doom for their uh, friendship. You know, even when she says to Sohi that. I hate you. It's the easy way out. She's not saying in a nuanced, deep way what the resentment really is based on. Which makes both characters uh, really flawed, especially her. That uh, she, uh, She'd rather take that way out. Which brings in a, a decent amount of, albeit simplified, but still decent amount of nuanced uh, uh, drama. Uh, and, and previously, by the way, it's a sort of minor specific point in the scene. Uh, but, but speaking of how director Yoon has got a handle on this, there's uh, one of the audition scenes where uh, one of the characters is uh, doing the uh, toe spinning that you do in ballet. And when it goes really, really slow and you hear like the creak that that's, you know, the, the toe shoe making noises against the floor. It's the, it's such a tease because it's designed in a way where we as an audience, oh, something's going to break. She's going to break her toe. She's going to break her toe. Something's going to snap. And it's a close-up. And it's loud. But no. She she goes through with a spin and uh, and sort of nails the audition, I suppose. <laughs> I thought, thought that was like... It's it's a kind of thing where you, 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 you sort of say, screw you, director. You got me. But well done. You got me. On that note, and another note as well, I'm, I love the fact that the direction, the, the tone of the direction in both the early stages and the ballet scenes, um, if you look at the way Jin Sung especially walks up the stairs when she gets right up to stair 27, she says 27, she says 28, she steps up on what we can see is the top step, and then the camera immediately cuts to, to show her face and not her feet and you see her taking that one extra step obviously as the fact the extra step has appeared that we don't actually see i think that's beautifully done and i also love in a similar way though the way that if you look at especially when so he's dancing you see her from the waist down and it's obvious that we got a ballerina there because it's it's perfection it's complex uh, stuff that you can't teach the actors in in a few weeks totally um and then you know we're we're jumping to just her from you know stomach level up i guess for the the face on scenes but it it melds beautifully and it works really again confidently for a first time director i think that's beautifully done and there are a couple of other uh, things we left in the dark about at least for a few minutes like the fall from the stairs as the friendship significantly ends at that point uh, whether that fall was fatal or not because we don't cut to a hospital bed we cut to an even bigger competition or audition for the part and uh, we don't know if so he actually broke her neck and we have a huge time jump here it's in the middle of the movie so we all, we, we know the movie isn't over of course then we, we obviously see that she's in the hospital and uh, whether she's permanently paralyzed or not uh, i'm not sure that was significantly uh, communicated doesn't need to because uh, she's uh, at least you know so, so something's broken and she's out of commission and the role isn't hers anymore um, i thought at that point that there was an injection of sadness how this can spiral how spite and anger rather than communication can derail friendships male or female 
it, it, it isn't played for heartbreak, but it, it made me feel a little bit sad that uh, it, totally. it, it was based on the fact that they couldn't speak to each other directly despite being so good friends. And when infused with like a supernatural revenge cycle, this, uh, this loop of darkness, you know, it becomes a, an, uh, an affecting and entertaining sort of brew that we got there, where there is a place for a little bit of drama and a little bit of, uh, you know, s- some heart, especially that very obvious scene where Jin Sung is visited by a very much uh, capable walker. <laughs> that is so, mm. he, you know, she's out of her hospital bed and she says that, I'm happy for you. And we we we, we know that there, there's something going on here, but it's a very nicely played Seeing where she she's lulled into a sense of security, but um, things are going to escalate in the second half. It's going to be um, it's going to be dark. It's a point to I suppose discuss a little bit. I don't have any notes on on them because I don't know these actors. But I, I've talked of uh, emotional beats and uh, a little bit of drama that's injected here. So what I did look up just to see were they all completely new? Was this everyone's first film role? And near enough, it seems like these are new performers so I, I like uh, i know you like to do this so uh, so 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 the so question is they were new back then and are they, are they still at it i suppose it's a simple question yes to both um you're going to be quite surprised really i i hope anyway just as was the case in whisper and corridors especially the casting was brand new talent that we weren't aware of really and we weren't weren't aware of how big they become um if we look at Jinsung to start off with, uh, played by Song Ji Hu Hyo. She she's massive, absolutely massive. She's been in a frozen flower. She was in New World opposite Che Min Sik, directed by Park Hyun Jung. Um, if we look at Sohi, gorgeous Sohi, played by Park Han Byul, she for a number of years was well sought after for these sorts of horrors, and she is was in fact brought back in as one of the the main characters in the director's later film yoga but she stopped acting completely in 2013 whether that be film or tv um in a a very semi sequel to a film called bunshan saba was a big film when it came out the original um and this number two um did absolutely nothing so ashamed to have seen her disappear a little bit the surprise for me especially was the girl called Joanne, um, who also goes by the name of Jo Kyung Jin, who played the little plump girl, Heijin. She was in Sorum that I keep mentioning. She was an antique that we mentioned in relation to Memento Mori, um, right up until you know a few years ago where she was in Blood and Ties with Guk Dong Hyuk and Son Ye Jin um, about a girl who suspects her father has committed a murder 15 years prior. But the one thing that I hope will really surprise you is if you look at the ballet segments, yes, we've got a ballerina doing some of Sohee's leg movements, but for Jinsung, the the real main character, um, when she's shown dancing, she's shown either from the chest up or full body away from the camera. And you'll hopefully be quite pleased to hear that her body double for those ballet scenes was an actress called Lee Min Jung. I don't know if you're aware of her, but she was in White Knight with Son Ye Jin, one a hugely one of my favorite thrillers from I think 2009. It was she was in a, a really important push in sexual forays to searching for the elephant. But the biggest thing of all that you may 
or may not know her for is the fact that her husband is Lee Byung Hun, who you'll know from I Saw the Devil, right through from JSA to, you know, the heavens, he was even in Red 2 with Bruce Willis. So, so, so my curious question is, was she an active actress or was she a dancer that they brought in as a double based on that? She was new in her acting career, um, but she'd studied ballet when she was at school studying. <clears throat> so they brought her in as, you know, someone who could do the moves, who was looking to further their career. So sort of a double-edged sword, but, you know, she's she's become huge. And she, I, I've never seen her in anything that I didn't adore ever since. Um, so... You know, keep an eye out when you look at her, at Jin Sung from behind when she's dancing. It's actually Lee Min Jung. And uh, therefore um, is uh, carrying herself with grace uh, regardless because, uh, um, you know, if, if, you know, if she's done action roles in her career, I'm sure uh, a dance background could be uh, beneficial to uh, uh, timing and things like that. It, it's certainly true for um, the ballerinas that have gone on to uh, do uh, Hong Kong action cinema. It really is a good foundation for for timing. So you, you, it's interesting that that you mentioned mentioned Joanna. I think it's uh, we're in the second half, so we won't spoil it, though, of course. But it's intriguing how the wishes, even though only two of them made wishes, uh, affect them. The the the, the emotional beats uh, that they go through. It's not old hat and super cliched. And uh, but when it comes to Joanne, that awkwardness in slash confidence in her character I, I really like because she doesn't transform into some sort of sex machine or anything it's, it's still her uh, she's uh, she may have gotten her wish and uh, lost weight but it's still her and uh, she, you know, she, she can't be one of the girls just like that uh, she, she's still on the fringes and uh, there, there are some emotional um, surprises that we want to elaborate on that very much makes her a key part of the uh, drama. I think the UK DVD did a clever thing here. They either used an alternate from Korea or altered the cover art. It's based on the Korean poster, which is front and center are two actresses. But in the Korean posters, we also see uh, what I presume is supposed to be Joanne. We see a character at any rate. The UK DVD has um, a noose there in the middle instead. There's no character there. Which I thought was better, because then you don't uh, focus on the fact that uh, when's the third thing coming? Is that the ghost? Who who is that? So there, it it seems like it's a two-hander based on the UK DVD cover for Wishing Stairs. So for for, for once they they sort of one they didn't change the title <laughs> like they do with Korean cinema sometimes, but uh, they they actually made uh, if if they made an alteration, one that benefited the sort of um, surprise element of uh, what we're gonna get here. And I suppose. All those, I I never I, I understand that some of this is like oh yeah out of Ringo, but I never really I never really settled into that uh, state. I, I thought it was fun and entertaining enough uh, as a sort of pure on terror experience as we see yeah, yeah, yeah. the variety of things that happen here, whether it's characters running through the frame, uh, one of the best scenes in that regard. And what I mean by that, like unknown characters, entities running through the frame. Like, what was that? Yeah, when uh, Joanne is uh, playing with her red umbrella inside, she she sorry, she doesn't want to go outside, but she stays inside in place. Again, she's uh, that's her safe space to be herself. Like she isn't, you know, all she had a hot girl in school. No, she's awkward. And when she's doing that with the red umbrella, is when we get the emergence of Sohi in the background doing a twirl in the background. Easy, easy stuff to do, man. Just in terms of staging, 
that it's how you put put all all things together for a film uh and it's not the company where i don't or anything no she uh she's manifested and uh she's a little bit startled and uh uh, so, so they don't overplay horror notions, which is really good for a f- new film director that had a uh, her, her short was a horror short, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called called psychodrama. So yeah. uh, the 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 Tartan DVD notes only referred to it as uh, drama, I believe. So, uh, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so, so it's good that there isn't an insecurity here, nor, nor an overplayed notion of uh, horror, despite a lot of it is uh, feeling like you know age old startles and uh, and out of the new directors i said i wasn't going to compare but i'm gonna anyway out of the new directors that has accompanied this series i a part of me feels that this is some of the most assured handling in the series because i I really was impressed and intrigued by how she uh, went about creating this full-on horror flick with a little bit of drama underneath it but again the two directors in memento mori had a different take on matters so it, it is kind of unfair at the same time but we, we come back to the point that it's impressive what we see here and it's kind of a shame that um, not much of a career at least in film came out of this because uh, you know, because it's from the director it's not just the technical crew doing the work for her obviously not so it's a shame that a seemingly a good technician couldn't find a footing in the industry but you know yeah, yeah, an, an absolute shame and how much of that's down to the fact that she you know, was a female director when female directors had a, a, an even harder time than they do now remains to be seen. Um, but it is a shame. I love the fact that in her confidence, there are, you know, you take your average, and I say average meaning average, um, Hollywood director looking at some of these scare moments, and they are jump start moments. And I love the fact that she doesn't treat them like that. You know, you see... A, character, a ghostly character falling down the stairs and it's in the corner it's behind it's it's not in your face it's not none of this you know boo stuff and i think i think that's a lovely move a repeatedly lovely move throughout the film and even you know speaking of joanne again she's asked to inhabit sort of two characters uh, and all those uh, tilting the head and then appearing like uh, very playful and oh I'm having fun and oh I'm scared now you know when you list that then you, you, you can easily become very cynical but when you watch it it's it, it's all cool it's all uh, very fun as they crank crank the film and that the spirit is tightening the screws but but neither that nor the shocks of the startles felt like old hat as a point uh, as I pointed out I, I think her in the early, in the very early stages, when you, when we see her in what can only be described as a sort of a, a fat suit, you don't, you know, you can just see it around her face. It's 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 all prosthetics um, to make her look fat. She is almost over the top, but but you come to realise that that's not a fault. That's who this character is. And as she changes, the way her voice changes and changes back to the point where. There, there's more than one distinct persona for her, um, I think is, is gorgeous. And I think she should be given huge kudos for that. I'm so glad that she carried on and continued to, to move her career forward. Um, and if you do happen to, you know, see her in her little fat face at the very start of the film, quickly pause the film, go online, search her name and have a look at what she actually looks like because she is stunning. You know, in all honesty, it was a de- they didn't go to town with a 
with the prosthetics to be honest they, they, were, they were like placed in key spots on her face yeah, yeah um so, so i thought there was decent extra weight makeup on her it's not like she's um she's extremely thin so uh no she, she she she's a small girl but not extremely thin so i thought the added prosthetics didn't look yeah unnatural necessarily but but you can sort of tell that i don't think that's actually her <laughs> full through and through i don't know if uh you what one can sort of bring a record up in your in one's head of uh, korea's experience with prosthetics or anything but based on the evidence here it, it, it absolutely looks fine and then for her trans transformation you know it does the job it t- totally does and i mean the one the one film that immediately comes to mind that does it hugely is uh, a film called um two thousand pound beauty about uh, a, a a very very fat girl who has an incredible singing voice but she can't take it any further and she can't find love because she's really, really, really fat. And throughout the film, she ends up losing weight, becomes this beauty, um, ends up having this huge singing career and deciding whether the man that she was in love with um, was actually worth the effort. And I won't spoil it for you, even though you probably know the outcome. Um, That was a huge amount of prosthetics they had on her. I mean, massive. And it didn't look really any better than what Joanne has on in Wishing Stairs. I, I think they did a great job and I, I think the understated nature of it works in its favour. The the fact that they got away with doing so much more in in two hundred pound beauty um is simply because it's a comedy and it sort of fits with it. In a horror getting away with that is quite a good deal and I think they did a good job. Yeah, that's complex stuff, and I mean, you 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 really need to turn to I think uh, outside talents sometimes. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen the movie actually, but there's a Hong Kong movie called Love and a Diet with Andy Lau and Sammy Chiang, both thin and perfect people <laughs> and superstars, but they're, they're they're in fat suits for most of the movie, and uh, probably for the end they're not. And, and I believe um, that was designed by uh, by a foreign crew. So I think. Okay. Uh, is directed by Johnny Toe of Milky Way, but it's still still early on in the Milky Way history. They were starting to log hits after being quite specialized uh, in making quirky movies. But so it, it's a, worthwhile to actually look at the outside makeup talent sometimes to to get a good effect across, regardless if you're going for a big thing or like um, spots of um, uh, extra chunk, if you will. Mm. Uh, some of the final notes. Um, it um, and some of the similarities are spotted between the movies. Uh, there are merely the content similarities rather than copies of each other. It uh, goes back into some amplified gruesomeness akin to Whispering Corridors, uh, even though this has its own take on um, gruesomeness um, involving the clay, let's say. I won't spoil anything else. Yep, indeed. I also did continue to pick on some pick up on some emotional components that it's sad that the weak are preyed upon and that friendship have friendships have derailed uh, in uh, in this way and uh, by being fairly engaged in that and engaged in the entertaining package that it is i very much enjoyed the uh, sort of shining moments because uh, the, the characters have their own sort of here's johnny moments uh, you know so he the spirit is having fun that's a little minor delight i suppose um so ultimately turning away from like the dominating emotional component isn't 
again the producers and filmmakers taking the easy way out because they, they proved they're good at scaring too so if anything this is the scariest entry so far and uh, that's very much enjoyable i just have four tiny three extra tiny no, tiny notes and then i'm gonna leave you uh, to talk of uh, whatever you want if you want to talk some non-spoiler specifics from the ending but uh, some other similarities uh, with whispering corridors like the storage room where uh, with art was a reminder to me of the art room in uh, whispering corridors that had a yep. key uh, that was a key component in that film ballet of course reminds some of us of uh, settings in other genre pictures such as Suspiria that was set at, was set at a ballet school but uh, Wishing Stairs isn't about witches though so it isn't this uh, straight straight line to Suspiria but still ballet and horror there's another one so <laughs> yeah totally totally the the setting uh, some of the hallways and such uh, evokes the first uh, quite literally uh, it looks uh, literally the same but I guess that's simply because uh, these schools are built according to a set plan across the country so I'm sure some hallways outside classrooms are going to be identical to to what we saw in Whispering Corridors for instance totally, but, uh, totally. you know a couple of little ding 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 yeah we're in the same series kind of we're in the same setting so it was just enjoyable to point out so so I've, uh, I'll conclude my notes right there. And anything else you want to point out that you've missed? I mean, the only the only thing I really would like to say is the fact that I've already briefly mentioned that I was surprised to find out that our director was a woman, specifically because I would have expected a, a female perspective to be more akin to Memento Mori or even Whispering Corridors and have much more focus on the relationships. But... Um, from what we can gather, there was a writing team of, of four people writing the script for this film. And I think her hands were pretty much tied. And being tied, she embraced horror with open arms and, uh, you know, and c- continued to throughout her very, very short career. Um, I think this is a, a very, I've already said, a confident film. I think it's got moments that that really make it worthwhile. And in watching it in order from Whispering Corridors to, to Mount Mori to Wishing Stairs, I think the change in tone works gorgeously. And when you consider that your next thing is going to be the voice, which takes the horror even a little bit further, <clears throat> and not to give too much away, but it's essentially about a girl who is killed and her voice is all that it, it remains to those around her. And it sort of takes it on an extra level. So it really feels like Whispering Corridor belongs in its position leading up to the next stage of the development of this series. I think it's a very worthwhile film. Um, It is flawed, but there's no perfect film in existence anywhere. Watch it and enjoy it. Are the other ones uh, at all LGBT content um, tinted or they, they, they left that behind with the voice and blood pledge? Um, essentially, the voice tips his hat briefly to it, and then genesis it completely. It's right. it's essentially it's one one character who she's actually killed by a sheet of paper slicing her throat at the in, in the music room at the very start of the film, um, and it's her story rather than a relationship story. And in terms of a blood pledge, it's just it it, it peels into insignificance in terms of any worthy storyline in my vague recollection um it's about an entire group of girls that 
could be seen as much more just girls who are colleagues and and or not friends rather than the relationship thing that we saw in Momentum Mori and the like. I mean, he doesn't need to do that on, on repeat, of course, and I think that, that that would have been a little bit silly. I think to find new, find new angles each and every movie just because, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just because uh, we were talked about in Memento Mori. I mean, uh, make it all unique, but uh, since it spilled into this one to a, to a degree, I, I was I was curious. Yeah, totally. I'll, you know, I'll also be very interested in seeing where the humming comes from because it seems to step back in part towards the ideas behind whispering corridors and not having seen it i'm only guessing around that but you know one character drawing another one back to a school that she used to go to just i i would like to think that maybe in 2021 or 2020 when it was made that they bring that back a little bit stronger it'd be nice to see but we'll we'll see tiny reboot element (laughs) yeah tiny tiny reboot and as for availability, it's it's the same across these uh, three movies that we talked about, Whispering Corridors, Memento Mori, and Wishing Stairs. Uh, so there's no sign of a Blu-ray, either in Korea or elsewhere. And, and I don't think it's on digital HD either. But uh, Tartan released DVD editions for both the UK and the US. They are still available at very cheap prices They're individually which is how I got them, uh, got these uh, free, very cheap. And uh, there's also different box sets for the US and the UK, it looks like. Um, uh, the former in the US collect collected the Tartan releases of the first three, Whispering Corridors, Momentum Mori, and Wishing Stairs, while a UK DVD set added uh, the fourth movie, The Voice. At least uh, they, they might have done a trilogy box set, but then there was a, a quartet of uh, films gathered in one box, and that's the one you own, I gathered. It certainly is. It was it was released when Tartan temporarily went down the pan and was relaunched as Palisades Tartan. So it, uh, and and uh, I saw that available as well. But uh, I thought I'd uh, just focus on the free now, and uh, then I'll add the voices separately. And if I can't find it separately, then I'll have to kindly ask Paul for a little copy of the film. Uh, you'll 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 have no problem finding the voice. It's got Kim Okbin in it. It's going to be around forever. Yeah, the Tartan title are, and they're not uh, price inflated either, which is a good thing, because uh, not that I wouldn't pay a tenner for it, not that I wouldn't pay £15 for it, fine. I mean, it's used and it's been out there, and um, prices are inflated to 10 or 15 nowadays. But back then, that would have been a cheap price. <laughs> totally, yeah, massively. Because uh, I, I remember you, the, the pricing levels were the same for, for both you and I, obviously, me importing discs and um, and you buying them locally. Uh, the Hong Kong Legends DVDs, as they came out in the early 2000s, that was 20 or 25 pounds and then some extra shipping on top of that. So you and I was a younger, younger man then and uh, I, I might have worked, but still not a jammed bank account, certainly not now either, but uh, still. You didn't pick up like yeah, I'll buy ten of these today, twenty five pounds each, Korean cinema horror, great, and I'll have the uh, money to spare. No, <laughs> you didn't. It was a it was a case of doing your research before you went and uh, being deeply selective. The little research that you could make, I suppose, because uh, the little research yeah. you could make. Yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, before social media, there, there, I'm sure there was uh, Korean cinema discussion on message forums or what have you, but certainly no like. Boom, 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 uh, critical uh, aggregator and things like that. No, go, go by gut feeling, maybe. Uh, do, do you remember doing that for even uh, more expensive releases? That, that looks good, but I don't know. Fair, a fair bit of the time. I mean, a lot of 
the smaller sort of horrors especially I got rather than going on reputation I got because I went and thought that looks interesting you know things like acacia things like cello just from the outside look you know even down to Kim Ki Duck's bad guy um, just because it was a very provocative cover in in the UK certainly and I've never been a huge fan of Kim Ki Duck and I only find out that I wasn't a huge fan after buying things like that but I would very often buy something like that and when I came home before before I indulged myself I'd go and pop onto koreanfilm.org which is Darcy Packett's site Mm -hmm. and uh, see what he had to say about it because I always we, we seem to always be, from my point of view, in in sync. What what I would think about a film, he he'd agree with, and and vice versa. So, you know, he was a a godsend back in the day. And if he said, and he was always very spoiler free, which was great as well. Um, and if he said, you know, this is an important film, you need to get it. I would I would straight away go out with a list in my hand. So you know, there was stuff available. It just wasn't the plethora that it is today. Yeah, the Amazon Marketplace has been good um, good to me. Like uh, 0.73 pounds for Acacia. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I cannot even acquit. <laughs> so yeah, uh, with Brexit though, like uh, customs are going to be added to that a little bit. But, but I know the, the, the name of the game by this point. So Anyway, uh, we m- might have hinted on it on, on the other show, but... Uh, it's certainly not implausible that they will return to this series uh, dealing with the fourth and the fifth entry and uh, maybe on its own or maybe waiting till there is that sixth entry out there and available to us to sort of do a, a second uh, a second go at um, uh, the remaining three movies. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. I'm, I'm up for it. So we'll... Um, We'll see how it goes during this year. We're going to give it some time to see if The Humming, the sixth entry, is going to gain some um, gain some release momentum, either if it goes to cinema and then disc or to a global streaming shortly thereafter. It remains to be seen. But uh, for now, uh, we, we are sort of putting a pin in it in this uh, sort of uh, trilogy, uh, trilogy coverage. But... Um, don't be surprised if we will be back with a, with a voice and a blood pledge um, type of coverage as well. Uh, so, in the meantime, for all your podcasts on Fight Network needs, including the back catalogue of What's Korean Cinema, your website for that, all that is podcastonfire.com. And we're obviously available on Apple Podcasts, uh, can be streamed on Stitcher, Radio, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, they, I, I'm, I'm such a technical dummy that i don't know how things work that if you have a feed then it's going to be picked up by tons of different sites i didn't even know we were on google podcast apparently we are Uh, but uh, so i didn't need to do the work but you are picked up you can you can google us and you can find us on a variety of sites that uh, stream our feed so uh, we're we're widespread and uh, we thank you for your uh, your kind listenership and your kind words Uh, but uh, all the relevant show links are in the show post and uh, i'm gonna be quiet now and let paul um, plug his uh, website so where can i find uh, your writing thanks very much for listening guys um you can as i said find me at hangelcelluloid.com pop on there on the home page there's a, a link to facebook.com slash hangelcelluloid for facebook and uh, at hangelcelluloid for twitter but you know it's much easier just to go to the site have a little hook about and click on the little bird or the little laugh 
and on his site you can find doctored pictures of uh, Paul's face on Lee Byung Hun's body standing next to his pretty wife. I'm just taking a guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, that that's sacrilege, you know. Um, plus, <laughs> plus, you know, that marriage is holy, Ken. We'll never do that. <laughs> you know, I, I no couldn't no. Plus, you know, let's face it. Still, Lee Byung Hun's pretty well built, and uh, you know, I did interview him a few years back. Really, really nice guy. I don't want him remembering who I am and coming looking for me because he could whoop my ass without even thinking about it. So uh, much as I love. Lee Min Jung, I'll leave her alone until she actually, you know, kicks him to the curb, and then I'll be in with a chance. Maybe it's important to have goals. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, uh, we'll uh, see you for the next episode. Regardless if uh, we're still in Whispering Corridors series uh, territory or not, but uh, thank you very much for sticking with us for this triple coverage of girl school horror uh, stuff out of Korea. So uh, thank you, and I've been Kenny B. With me was Paul Quinn. So I'll let him say goodbye. Fabulous. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. See you soon.